On today's Sunshine Economy, Virgin Voyages hopes to stand out in the cruise ship business even as the CDC still advises travelers to avoid cruising because of COVID-19. We think we're being singled out as an industry. The CDC is holding us to a standard that is far above what you see anywhere. I'm Tom Hudson. Today, here from the CEO of Virgin Voyages. The newest cruise company to call South Florida home hopes to stick out among its much larger competitors by offering adults-only trips. No kids. This is not just a cruise for 20-year-olds or 30-year-olds. This is not just a millennial cruise. Look, we see this as our sweet spot between 40 and 55. The CEO of Virgin Voyages is next on The Sunshine Economy. Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening and supporting public radio. Only the cruise industry could change the order of the alphabet in Miami. V now comes after G, at least on Port Miami. Cruise ship terminals on the port use letter designations. If you float through government cut toward the mainland or drive along the MacArthur Causeway toward downtown Miami... The first cruise ship terminal is A. It's the largest one in the country, and it's home to Royal Caribbean. Then, as you head toward the mainland, the terminal names continue with the alphabet. Terminal B, Norwegian Cruise Line's Pearl of Miami. C, D, E. Terminal F will be the future home of Carnival Cruise Line's newest ship and will be Carnival's third passenger terminal on the port. Next comes G. And then at the westernmost point on the port, Terminal V. We think we've got the best spot here because not only is it right at the, as you drive down to the port coming from the other ships, you drive right in and see Virgin Voyages. This is Tom McAlpin, the CEO of Virgin Voyages. People all all over downtown Miami can see our beautiful ship when she's in port. If you're coming across MacArthur Causeway, we're the first ship you see. It's a great opportunity because we get a new terminal. You know, we get to have a terminal like the big boys in the industry, right? And we're just a new small player. Small player with the British knight who was able to rearrange the alphabet at Port Miami. Sir Richard Branson's Virgin Business Empire now includes operating out of a cruise ship terminal in Miami. Terminal V, obviously for Virgin Voyages, was christened Sunday. 13 months after construction began and more than a half decade since Virgin began its ambitions to start a cruise ship company in South Florida. It was June of 2015 when Branson landed by helicopter at the Perez Art Museum Miami to help announce what would become Virgin Voyages, and it was building three new ships in Italy. The first one would set sail out of Miami. This is from a Miami Herald video from that day. Branson was wearing a ship captain's white short-sleeved shirt with epaulets and shoes and shorts matching Virgin's corporate red color. The man said how jealous he was that I was dressed like this and he was dressed like that. He was in a sea of local officials with suits and ties on as a new cruise operator was coming to town. It wouldn't be nice if, you know, if all his officials could just dress comfortably instead of, you know, all stuffed up in ties and suits. So let's see what, how we get on that. <laughs> That day ended with Branson taking a pair of scissors to the tie of Carlos Jimenez, who was then the mayor of Miami-Dade County. 
On Sunday, Branson was back in Miami, this time cutting the ribbon on the new Terminal V at Port Miami, the home of Virgin Voyages' Scarlet Lady, the first of its two ships that are scheduled to be based here. The Lady was more than a year late. It was not running on Miami time. It was the global pandemic that held back Branson's new venture. The vessel sailed into Port Miami on March 7, 2020, and was set to have its naming ceremony about a week and a half later, and then set sail with passengers. But COVID closed down cruising. Just a week after arriving in Miami, Virgin Voyages had a ship, but like the rest of the U.S. cruising industry, it was ordered by the Centers for Disease Control to stop sailing with passengers. That would last 16 months for the industry. It was longer for Virgin. In October, the ship finally left Port Miami for the first time with paying passengers, 19 months after its original inaugural Caribbean cruise was scheduled from South Florida. And it now has its own terminal, not solely inspired by the rock and roll, freewheeling, and little risque image that is Virgin, but also one of the symbols of Florida, palm trees. The theme of this is a palm grove. So the idea is that, you know, you're in this big palm grove. You see a lot of palm trees around here. The overhead, the ceiling, is designed to look like you're in a canopy of a palm grove. And if you look at the, the columns here, they're bent like the palm trees. Virgin Voyages CEO Tom McAlpin says it's all by design to evoke the tropics and vacation, playtime, but for adults only. Oh, yeah, Virgin Voyage cruises are adult only. No kids. It is what the company hopes is its biggest competitive difference as it tries to build its cruise business from South Florida. But like the rest of the industry, it continues to have to deal with COVID-19, including on-site rapid testing inside that brand new Terminal V. So you go in, you do your swab downstairs, um, and then you'd come up here and wait for your results. And once you get your results, then you can go through security. Now, once you've checked in, you're here waiting, and you're waiting to just to go through those doors, through the boarding bridge, and onboard the ship. The journey to get to this point has been rough, and it is far from clear sailing. Just last week, the Centers for Disease Control released new guidance for cruise operators. The suggestions include a tiered vaccination status, with the highest being what the agency calls vaccination standard of excellence. In order to achieve that designation, a cruise ship would have to have at least 95% of its passengers and crew fully vaccinated, meaning the regular doses plus any booster. If someone on a vaccine standard of excellence ship comes in close contact with the virus, quarantines would last five days, not the usual 10. While they would be able to get out of isolation earlier, they would then be required to wear a mask outside of their cabin for another five days. The guidelines are voluntary, and cruise ship operators have until February 18th to opt in. If a ship does not adopt the guidance, the agency won't review or confirm the ship's health protocols. Virgin Voyages says it is evaluating the recommendations. The CDC still advises travelers to avoid cruising, and that remains a sore spot for the industry. You're listening to The Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Stay in touch with us. Our email address is sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Each Monday, we examine stories and hear voices of people shaping South Florida's economy. Be sure to listen to the BBC NewsHour Tuesdays through Fridays at 9 a.m. 
to hear stories and voices from around the globe. Still to come, starting a cruise company in the age of COVID. We think we're being singled out as an industry. The CDC is holding us to a standard that is far above what you see anywhere. I'm Tom Hudson. This is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. Thanks for supporting public radio. Cruise ship companies have to decide this week if they're going to follow the latest Centers for Disease Control guidelines for COVID-19 or not. For the past month, the agency's recommendations have been voluntary for what cruise ships should do to protect passengers and crew from the virus and what to do when infections happen. The updated instructions also are voluntary. The newest and one of the smallest operators is among those deciding whether or not to opt in to the government's program. Virgin Voyages says it's working with the cruise industry's trade group and expects the industry to be united. The CDC's guidance is called the COVID-19 Program for Cruise Ships. It's just the latest set of protocols, first mandatory and now voluntary, for how cruise ships operate during this pandemic. Remember, cruise ships were among the first high-profile places where the disease was spreading. Passengers were kept on some ships and other vessels were kept out at sea as public health officials and others scrambled for how to deal with the germ in its early weeks. Virgin Voyages was days away from launching its first cruise from Port Miami when the pandemic struck. Trips were first postponed and then canceled as the industry was shut down for more than a year. The company finally had its first sailing from Miami in October, and on Sunday it opened its own terminal, becoming the latest operator to have its own dedicated dockage at the busiest cruise port in the world. We sat down with Virgin Voyages CEO Tom McAlpin inside the terminal just days before it welcomed its first passengers. The safety and and security of our guests are our number one priority. So uh, we think that vaccines are a game changer. They are a game changer. And we were among the first that said we're going to require vaccines for all of our crew and for all of our sailors. So it's not going to just rely on 90% or high percentage. We're going to require that for everyone. Uh, On top of that, we are uh, requiring everybody to be tested before they get on board the ship the day of. And frankly, as I've been saying to a lot of people, this is the safest way to travel. I mean, the combination of, of having everyone around you vaccinated and having everyone tested, this is safer than going to a theater. This is safer than going to a restaurant or anywhere. So I, I, I strongly believe that cruising is the safest way to travel and, and people should be out there traveling. How does that square with the state of Florida regulations, which prohibit a company from requiring its customers to be vaccinated? We have gone back to the state and gotten some deferrals of that until it get until that whole issue gets sorted out. I think effectively it's going to be sorted out, but we're in a good position. Also, what's happening is the other countries are requiring. So the Bahamas is requiring um, vaccines. So in order for us to operate in the Bahamas, we're going to be requiring those vaccinations as well. So I think that issue is well behind us. What about the CDC? It dropped the conditional sale order. Some of the protocols that were put in place to have cruise ships get back on the water accepting passengers are now on a voluntary basis, but it still warns cruisers that they are at the highest risk of this virus. 
Yeah, Tom, that's a great question. We don't understand it. We think we're being singled out as an industry. Um, we've got incredible protocols in place. We're vaccinating everyone. Uh, we've got higher standards on board the ship than you'll see anywhere else. But yet the CDC is holding us to a standard that is far above what you see anywhere anywhere in your local government, you know, more than you see um, in, in any place that you that you travel or any place that you vacation. So we don't understand it. But you know what? We need to comply because that's the rule. We're complying uh, and we're operating and we're running very safely. And we have been operating safely since September without without major issues. And, and so it's working for us. Why do you think the CDC has kept this order in place despite a lot of heavy lobbying, both uh, certainly in public and in private, uh, by the cruise industry. You know, again, it's another, it's another great question. We don't understand it. We're perplexed given our track record and what we've done. I mean, you know, there were some early issues that you had with COVID in the early days, but, you know, vaccines are a game changer. And, and certainly people are, are still getting sick. Omicron is affecting everybody. Everybody in, in the world is being affected by that. And we're no exception, but we've been able to control it. The number of people that we've had on our ships has been literally a handful. So again, we don't understand why why we're being single. I think part of it is because you know we're we are under the jurisdiction of the federal government, whereas other other venues are not, and they're using that as a, as as a, an opportunistic thing that, that that really hurts us, frankly, as an industry. So we're complying because we need to operate. Um, we think that it's unfair. And uh, we'll, we'll, but we're going to continue to comply. What would you like the CDC to know about operations that perhaps you think that uh, may change the agency's stance toward warning customers that cruising is of the highest risk of an activity during this pandemic? Well, if you just look at our, our practices, look at our protocols, it makes sense. I mean, the, what we are doing today, we, ha we have the benefit of having a controlled environment. We control who gets on, we control how, who's vaccinated, and we're showing through proof that people are, even if you do an unlikely event that you do become positive, we're taking great care of you and nobody's getting seriously infected and having serious symptoms. So, you know, we don't understand it. Uh, we think we're being singled out. It's unfair, but it's something we have to live with. The CDC has a color scheme for how it codes cruise ships that are on the water and the Scarlet Lady has a yellow code, as you and I are speaking here, meaning that it has at least enough COVID cases to be above the CDC threshold, which I'm sure you're going to tell me is relatively low, which, which it is relatively low. But how do you treat those instances when you are under a CDC investigation with the crews? Well, I think if you look at the, the entire industry, everybody is on yellow. <laughs> we track the, the cases and in the regular environment in your in your daily lives, your places that aren't being tracked, right? So the yellow code is a, a fraction, a couple of cases uh, on board ship puts you in yellow status. Well, guess what? COVID is everywhere. The good news is we're learning to live with it as an industry, as a consumer, and we're kind of getting past that. We realize that people really aren't getting violently ill anymore. Um, people are vaccinated and we're getting on with it. People are comfortable not wearing masks um, in, in most settings. So we know that there's pent-up demand. The number one thing that people want to, to do is to get out there and travel. And what better way to travel when I've got a, in a controlled environment? The Centers for Disease Control has moved to a volunteer uh, compliance for the uh, 
rules that it put in place for the cruise industry to get back into business, to get back on the water. Has there been any changes in any of those protocols for Virgin ships? No, we comply with uh, everything that's required uh, from the CDC, even though it became voluntary. We believe in, in right now, um, ensuring that everyone is vaccinated. We think that's the right thing to do. We think it's the right thing to do to have our crew vaccinated. And we think for now it's in, in, important to test. And on top of that, as an extra measure, we're requiring all of our crew to be masked and on all we're recommending or requiring all of our passengers to be masked as well so we're complying on on that voluntary basis because basically right now it's the right thing to do what we don't agree with is for them to say that 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 cruising is not safe it is the safest way to travel how does virgin verify vaccine status for passengers and crew so you have to come forward and show your your vaccine card with the specific dates, and you have to those dates have to be correct. You have to have at least two uh, vaccinations. CDC is talking about being fully vaccinated, meaning three shots, the the two doses plus the booster. Yeah, those are some new regulations that there, that we've come about. We as an industry are evaluating that. We don't think that that makes sense. That's very difficult to do, especially when there's a proven track record that these are not getting seriously ill. People are not going to the hospital. It doesn't make sense to require us. That's a very, that's a very, very high standard for the industry. When frankly, it's not required anywhere else. It's not required to go on a flight. It's not required to go into a casino. It's not required to go to a restaurant. But yet, we're held to a much higher standard. The pandemic held up Virgin sailing out of Port Miami uh, by about eighteen months or so. And when it did begin last fall, it began at roughly half capacity for. The vessel. What does the rest of 2022 look like in terms of capacity uh, for uh, for the Scarlet Lady? Yeah, so we purposely um, had a soft launch as we launched this business. This is not just a, a launching of one ship. This is a launching of a whole new brand, and we wanted to make sure that we get it right and that it, and that it's perfect. So we weren't as concerned about filling the ship. Frankly, we were we limited capacity in some cases. So we can make sure we get it right, and with COVID, to make sure we can limit the numbers that are on board. So as we move forward, look at you know as an industry, we we are ramping up. Um, for us, we were we've been holding back on the advertising and the marketing until the time was right. 2022 will be a tough year. We won't get back to where we need to be at an industry average, but I think by early 23, we'll be back to to hitting on all cylinders. Are you selling all berths in the ship for voyages, itineraries here in 2022? Yeah, so we're operating, the, the Scarlet Lady is operating four and five night itineraries here. So yes, we're offering all the sailings um, through this year, and, and all our categories are open, um, and we're ready to ramp up. Tom, how do you think COVID has changed the cruising experience? Well, you know, it's a it's a good question. I think that we, as an industry, were were better prepared than other industries. We have been dealing with regulations for a long time. You know, we have been dealing with uh, vessel sanitation program with CDC and their inspections and dealing with neurovirus. And so we have protocols and processes in place that, you know, that we've, we've been able to leverage and just to enhance with COVID. You're speaking now as a spokesman for the industry, not just Virgin, I know. But when you look at the early experiences, certainly with cruisers and this pandemic, those were not positive by any stretch of imagination. And and everybody obviously was caught in the pandemic. And there were some real uh, troubling 
instances of, uh, of cruise ships with uh, many passengers on board and cruise ships that were unable to find a safe berth to be able to safely transfer those passengers. Yeah, those were tough times. We didn't know. CDC didn't know. So we weren't, you know, CDC didn't know that even to wear masks to, to help prevent this. We didn't know what the protocols, people thought it was the plague and that everyone was going to die. So they didn't want to let ships in. Those days are behind us, Tom. You know, vaccines are a game changer today. We have agreements with, with ports that these ports are very important. The cruise industry is very important to these ports. So we're not going to, we're beyond those days of being stuck at sea where you're not going to be able to get back in. People are having a good time. You know what? As an industry, we have been very successful. We have hundreds of thousands of passengers that have sailed safely since we, we started operations in September. And, and globally, and especially in Europe, you know, they've op- been operating for over a year there and have been operating very successfully. So you know, I think that those, those tough days are clearly behind us. Speaking with Virgin Voyages CEO Tom McAlpin, this is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. Check out our podcast by searching Sunshine Economy on your favorite podcast app. Leave a review and be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss a week. And, of course, listen to the 9 a.m. hour here on WLRN Tuesdays through Fridays for the BBC News Hour. Still to come, the business bet on starting a new cruise company in South Florida. You don't see cruise lines pop up every day. The big risks, the barriers to entry are behind us. This is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening and supporting public radio. Miami-Dade County spent about $160 million for a new cruise ship terminal that opened Sunday on Port Miami. Terminal V is the new home to one of the smallest cruise operators, Virgin Voyages. It gets to dock its ships there for the next 30 years. And over the next three decades, Virgin is expected to pay $800 million to the county in port charges. The company is just getting started in the cruising business with one ship sailing the Caribbean from Miami. A second ship will sail out of Barcelona, Spain this summer, and a third vessel is expected to join it. The launching of a new cruise company comes amid the continuing pandemic and rising energy prices. Luxury cruise operator Crystal Cruises had two of its ships seized by U.S. Marshals in the Bahamas over unpaid fuel bills. The company is based in Miami. It closed its U.S. offices and fired employees, according to Bloomberg. A message on its website says it has closed its call center until further notice. It's owned by a company based in Hong Kong. We spoke with Virgin Voyages CEO Tom McAlpin about building a new cruise company based in South Florida, the capital needed and customers required to make it a success. This is the environment out there for at least another small cruise company. Virgin is a small cruise company as it begins. Any concern about the impact on Virgin's efforts to get its new cruise business up and running here in the Caribbean? No, I'm not concerned at all. I think that, you know, we have now proven concept. Um, so we've proven that our, our business is successful. 
the guests love it. Our sailors love the experience. We're also backed by, you know, some, some strong investors, the Virgin brand, Bain Capital, and four or five other big investors. So they're behind us. It's cost them more capital to put into the business. I mean, who could have predicted a pandemic when right at the same time we were launching? But the good news is that this business is still very positive. For the long-term perspective, we got three more ships to launch. Um, we've got a lot invested in it today, and it will take some more capital, but it's the right thing to do. We're super excited. Our investors are excited about the experience. It's a great business model. Um, of course, we need to grow uh, occupancies, but it's a great business plan and a great business model. We feel very comfortable about it. Speaking of the investment, just from the Virgin investment, what does that investment look like and stand like today? What do you anticipate that to look like? if the business is able to grow the way that the company anticipates growing? Yeah, so we have the taken delivery of, of Scarlet. She's operating Valiant next year, Resilient Lady at the end of this year uh, as well. And then we have the fourth ship uh, that will be named uh, at a later date, but um, and itineraries that will be, be named later. That will take delivery of in November of 2023. Um, so we'll be four ships for now. All of those are the financing already in place, uh, capital already raised. So we have no risks and no concerns about that. They've been delivered on time. They're fantastic ships. They're all sister ships. And we've got some uh, amazing itineraries that we've developed for each of those ships. Largest investor, Bain Capital, private equity investor. What are its expectations and what's its time horizon for this kind of investment? Yeah, so, you know, typically in the private equity, your time frame is, is, is shorter. This was a, a bit of an exception, if you will, because they really believed in this business. So it, took, it takes a little bit longer because that's one of the big barriers to entry in the cruise. You don't see cruise lines pop up every day. You know, the last one we saw was Disney Cruise Line, which, which I was a, a part of. Um, and because there are big barriers to entry, a lot of capital. You know, these ships cost $800 million each. You know, uh, you need to have the financing in place to, to finance them. You have to have the infrastructure to support them. You have to have a brand that is renowned and has experience in the, in, in the trade and be able to build a team to support it. So big barriers to entry. If you think back, all of those things are behind us. We have the ships under contract. They're being delivered on time. The financing is in place. Um, we've got a, a, a phenomenal team, a great facility in, in, um, and Plantation, Florida. We've got this brand new terminal. So, and all the ports of call are locked up. So, the big barriers of, of uh, the big risks, the barriers to entry are behind us. Right now, it's about just, you know, weathering through COVID and, and building occupancy. One other new wrinkle, perhaps, that's been introduced here over the last six months are rising interest rates, the cost of borrowing likely to go up. You mentioned that the borrowing's in place for the $800 million ships that you've already taken delivery of and you plan to take delivery of for Virgin Voyages. How exposed is some of that borrowing to the rising interest rate environment that's likely to come? We're smart enough to when we enter into those contracts to be able to fix those rates or or at least limit it the, the, or cap the interest rates. On those. So they're at very low interest rates. You know, inflation, while, you know, it has hurt us in, in terms of Costs a little bit, right? And we're, but we're managing through those. We haven't seen dramatic increase other than in some elements of food. But if you think about the, the, what that does is it creates price pressures on everything. So it may help us in order to be able to, as an industry, in, improve our yields over time. How has it impacted the fuel budget? 
Yes, it's been coming up, and you know, but fuel is not as big a part of the overall cost base as you would think on a cruise ship. It's important; it's gone up, but it's not going to be one of those things that is going to cripple a company. One other investor class, if I may call it that, has been high-profile athletes through an alternative investment organization called Patrikoff. Why was that a focus of Virgin as it went? out into the market, essentially, to find some investors to help support the capital? I think it's one of those things that kind of came to us as an opportunity, as a way to raise some additional capital, relatively small amounts relative to what, what Bain is doing. But it's a unique opportunity that you have the ability to have some of these athletes invest in businesses uh, and be able to promote them. So it's not only are they investing in getting returns, they get to influence those returns. So, you know, we've got Venus Williams and a lot of great players uh, involved in helping us to promote this business. We've just gotten started, really haven't been able to leverage or haven't started really leveraging them yet, but uh, that will come in the near future. This was made through this investment firm, Patrikoff, in the third quarter of last year. Could you share with us the valuation that that investment's based upon? You know, we don't like to share any of those those private financial matters, but uh, we think they think it's a great deal. We think it's a great deal for them. They got in at the same uh, uh, equity price point that our original investors got in at, and uh, so, so no change in the valuation over the course of yeah, a few many, years. And, and for those guys, many of the, those big risks that I talked about earlier are behind them. So we think it's a good it's a good deal for them. It's also a good deal for us because we get to leverage some of those athletes, and they buy into the the product, and they buy into the experience, and help us promote. Uh, Virgin Voyages. Is an individual cruise generating enough revenue to cover just the operating costs on the vessel? Good question, depending upon what that occupancy level is. I mean, we are getting, we are, yes, we are cash flow positive at the ship level. Um, you what know, occupancy level do you need to be cash flow positive for you know, a cruise? We're in the 30 to 40 percent range uh, at a cash flow level. And of course, you know, on a total basis, we're not cash flow positive yet, but we're not expected to be cash flow positive. That's going to take some time, but that will come as soon as soon, especially as soon as you start layering on second and third ships. So uh, these are, you know, these, these ships provide significant cash flow. Future bookings. Take a look at that book of business. What does that look like? Well, you know, un, uh, not surprisingly, we, you know, as a first as an industry, we've got opportunity, um, but we are very bullish about the prospects as we talk to people about the boom and we're poised for a big boom in travel overall. Um, we see bookings are looking very good. We're starting to see great returns on our investment in spending and advertising and promotion. So we're starting to see that web traffic and those bookings to convert. Could you share with us uh, any level of detail with that? The next couple of months, we're comfortable. We're not going to be, you know, above the 50% mark. Um, as we think to the future, we're really uh, relying on this next wave of advertising. Uh, and we really haven't haven't started that advertising. We just now started in, in January, so we're now beginning to see the results of that. But we have seen in the past that when we do spend um, on advertising and in, in, in the TV markets, where they do generate a lot of traffic to the website. And now we're comfortable we can convert a lot, much more of that traffic now that we have reviews, now that we have a product, now that we have a ship that people can see. The travel agent community is significant and very important, plays an important role uh, in the cruise industry. Uh, how have you reached out to that, that stakeholder and, and what is that relationship like? 
uh, they're really important to us. They're important to the, the cruise industry overall. They're a, a, a major supplier, if you will, of cruises and booking those cruises. Uh, so we have a great relationship with them. You know, we have purposely tried to re-engineer what that commission structure looks like. We're paying commissions on on uh, non-commissionable fares. Um, we're paying commissions on things that are outside just the cruise fare and things that you can book in advance. So we're getting good feedback. What we've learned is that the, the travel agents have kind of held back on booking us a little bit because they wanted to see our product. They wanted to understand it. They wanted to make sure that this was for their customer. Reshaping that commission structure has got to be key as you try to engage with that travel agent community. But Virgin can't really make up for it, can it, on volume, given just the sheer size of the ship compared to what your competitors are sailing? Relatively speaking, it's, you know, it's a cost of business. We know we, we need to do it. We are competitive with what, what's happening in, in the industry. Uh, but the Virgin experience is a, is a premium experience. Um, we have created something very different, um, very unique in a way that really expands the travel market. So we have created something where we try to differentiate in everything that we do and to expand the market. Our ships are different. They're modern, sleek. We took inspiration from the super yacht design. And we're focused on the adult, right? And by an adult-only experience, there's a lot more that you can do. You can provide a more sophisticated, upscale experience. I, I, we love kids. You know, we have, I have kids. I have grandkids. We love them. But we also know that, you know, there's a, there's a relationship between kids and water. When you put kids in water, they scream. And so when you're on, a, when you're, when you come on our ship, you don't have to be worried about the kids, you know, even because mom and dads need that vacation as well. So we've created a, a unique experience. We've learned from, you know, the all inclusives, the adults. And we're, so we're trying to broaden the market and appeal to cruisers and to the, the non cruisers as well. And today we're seeing about 20% uptake of people that are coming on board our ship that are, that have never cruised before. So we think that's really important for us and for the industry. One out of every five passengers on a Virgin Voyage ship on the Scarlet Lady are new to cruise? That's, that's what we're seeing on our new bookings. That's right. We're like a boutique hotel on the high seas. And they're getting premiums because people want to experience that different thing, that curated experience. And that's what we're all about. I wanted to ask about that premium phrase that you used in describing the product it comes with a premium price as well. Just doing a quick scan of uh, itiner similar itineraries here out of Port Miami with a similar dateline like the Scarlet Lady has, some of your competitors are charging 60% less for a berth than what is being charged on the Scarlet Lady. Yeah, well, but if you look at the, the overall price point at $300 per person per day, you know, that is at the higher end. But if you think of that over five nights, $1,500 for that type of experience when it's much more inclusive. We're launching a, a new business, not just a new ship, but we're launching a whole new brand. And we are a premium brand. Uh, we come at, a, I think, a very competitive price point with great value. We're not going to reduce our prices in order to fill the ships. Because you know, we're building a brand and we want to preserve that brand value. Speaking with Virgin Voyages CEO Tom McAlpin, you're listening to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Be sure to catch the BBC News Hour Tuesdays through Fridays at 9 a.m. here on WLRN. Still to come, how Virgin Voyages wants to compete with much larger cruise companies, cruising with no kids.
This is not just a cruise for 20-year-olds or 30-year-olds. This is not just a millennial cruise. Look, we see this as our sweet spot between 40 and 55. I'm Tom Hudson. This is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. Thanks for listening this week. Today, we're featuring an interview with Tom McAlpin. He is the CEO of Virgin Voyages. It's based in Plantation. It's the newest and one of the smallest cruise ship operators now in South Florida. It has its own branded terminal at Port Miami, Terminal V, which opened Sunday. It has just one ship for the time being. The Scarlet Lady started sailing out of Miami in October, more than a year and a half later than first planned, thanks to COVID-19. The business is seven years in the making, launching at a time when American cruise companies are scrambling to reassure their passengers that cruising is safe and compete for cruisers to get them spending again. Virgin Voyages has a well-known brand behind it, the Virgin brand, a rock and roll, high gloss and suggestive attitude that's very different than many of the much larger competitors emphasizing family and increasingly focused on value. That difference led Virgin to set out from the get-go to invite only passengers at least 18 years old on board. No kids. Back to our interview now with Virgin Voyages CEO Tom McAlpin. Virgin founder Richard Branson has said that he wants to disrupt the cruising industry. How do you think Virgin Voyages will do that? Well, I don't know if it's as much disrupt, but it's providing a different way to experience cruise and a, and a way to grow the market and looking at a different, uh, different segment. And that is the adult segment. And, you know, these, these adults are going to the all inclusives. You know, they're, they're stealing share from the cruise industry on an ongoing basis. So this is an opportunity to provide that different type of experience with the Virgin, you know, secret sauce and providing that unique opportunity that Virgin can do. And we're, and we're seeing those rates. We're seeing those ratings. People are loving the experience. Where does Virgin fit in to the cruising market? Who's the Virgin cruiser? So we see this as not a, a specific demographic. People, see, you know, this is not just a cruise for twenty-year-olds or thirty-year-olds. This is not a, just a millennial cruise. Look, we see this as our sweet spot between forty and fifty-five. Right? These are people who have some time, who have the the income, who want a modern, cool experience. Um, on board ship. They want a premium experience. They want that luxury experience, but they want to do it in a comfortable way, in a not stuffy environment. So we see this attracting, you know, from other players in the industry and from in the, in the boutique hotels as well. We've created this kind of a unique experience. It's very different. It's a different vibe. It's hard to explain, but when people get on board the ship, they rave about it. When travel agents get on board the ship, they rave about it. And it's done in a modern, casual type of way. There's been an arms race in the cruise industry, both in terms of terminals here in Port Miami. We're sitting in one that's an example of that, this $160 million investment that Miami-Dade County has made for the Terminal V for Virgin Voyages, but also in ships, right? Uh, new experiences, roller coasters, water rides, uh, entertainment shows, accoutrements, and size. How is Virgin competing in that space? Great question. And, you know, we looked at size of ship when we looked at the, the our consumer profile, you know. And one of the things that, that our 
target audience was concerned about was size. So they zig, we zag. You know, the industry is going to bigger, bigger ships. That's great. They're getting great economies of scale associated with that. But we believe in the, the intimacy. So we purposely build what I call mid-size ships. 2,700 passenger ships, not five or 6,000 passenger ships. That allows us to do some, provide some more intimate experiences, allows us to go to places like Bimini and have those interesting experiences there. It allows us to dock here at the end of the Port Miami where other ships are too big to, to fit. So it works really well for us. Nothing wrong with those other ships. It's just we purposely designed our experience to be more intimate. Does that also allow from the business perspective that higher rate since you won't be able to realize an economy of scale of a three, four, five, six thousand passenger ship in order to generate the kind of returns that Virgin and its investors are hoping for? The ships that we have uh, get most of that economies of scale because we are the size that we are. So we're, we're very fuel efficient. We're big enough. Uh, we're new enough. We've got a very high percent, 90% uh, balcony cabins, 87% balcony cabins on board our ship. 93% have an exterior view of the ocean. So we celebrate that ocean. We celebrate that, that nautical experience on, on board the ship. We don't think that we need to have, you know, theme parks on board the ship in order to do that. And we don't have kids that we have to entertain. You worked at Disney in your cruising career, a very different kind of brand when it came to cruising than what you're trying to build here at Virgin Voyages. Are there any similarities between the two that you see? Oh, there are, there are a ton of similarities here. You know, Disney was great, and I co-wrote the, the, the business plan back in 1994, and it was the chief financial officer for, for Disney Cruise Line and, and president for five years, so I know that business really well. And they did a great job of going after a segment, differentiating the experience, and really building a product and an experience around the family. And with that, they generate a significant premium. You know, of course, they've got the Disney brand behind them. So what we are doing here is there are, there are similarities. You know, we are creating a unique product, a unique looking ship, a unique size ship, a ship designed for the adult market. What does a cruise ship designed for adults only mean? What, is that, what does that mean from a design aspect? What does that mean from, uh, from an experience? Yeah, so we, design is a very important part of, of the overall experience and the look and feel of the ship. We went out and engaged 10 different designers, architects. These are architects who had never worked on ships before purposely to help us create these amazing spaces that are very usable, that feel intimate, that are very different, but kind of work all together. All of our restaurants have have a bar inside of them. You won't see that typically on a cruise ship because, and when you do that, you get a different vibe, you get a different ambiance. And if you know what, if you don't want to sit at a table uh, and have a more, more formal dinner, you can go to the bar, belly up to the bar like you would do at your favorite restaurant here in Miami or in New York. Earlier, you mentioned talking about the adults-only nature of Virgin Voyages, pointing out quickly that you love kids, you have kids. Do you find yourself adding that almost as a footnote when you describe the adults-only 
nature of the Virgin Voyage? Well, I, I like to joke and say, and look, we like kids, but we don't, you know, here you don't have to worry about kids screaming in the pool. You don't have to worry about kids getting in the elevator and pushing every little button or, you know, or those roaming gangs of 14-year-olds at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, we don't, we don't have those. It allows us to, to create a, a sophisticated experience. And, you know, mom and dads need the break. As we did our research, we were actually, we were actually, you know, adult-centric. And we had original concept of the business plan that we would allow children on. We would take good care of them. And as we did our focus groups and talked to moms and dads, it was the moms that told us, no, 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 I, I, I want to get away because, and I don't feel comfortable taking my children on there with the, this type of an experience because, you know, I, I can't, wouldn't be able to control and I wouldn't be able to, to ruin the experience for someone else. And, and by the way, they said, and you know what? Mom and dads need a break too. And especially during COVID and this past two years, mom and dads, I feel sorry for them, you know, with young, with young kids that had to be parents and school teachers and coaches and counselors and everything in between. So, you know, mom and dads need a break too. That's Tom McAlpin, CEO of Virgin Voyages. The company is based in Plantation. You're listening to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Each Monday, we examine stories and hear voices of people shaping South Florida's economy. Be sure to listen for the BBC News Hour Tuesdays through Fridays at 9 a.m. to hear stories and voices from around the globe. Still to come, despite the uncertainty of COVID for the cruising business, charting a course to grow for a new company. We have overcome a lot of adversity over the years when you think about September 11th and recessions. This has been a bigger test than all of those things. I'm Tom Hudson. This is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. Thanks for listening. Tom McAlpin has gotten to the heights of the cruise ship business by starting underwater. He became a salvage diver after working as a teenager upriver from the blue waters of the Biscayne Bay. I started as a kid working in a boatyard up the Miami River. His latest role has brought him back not far from where the river meets the bay. McAlpin is CEO at Virgin Voyages, and he's been the cruise industry veteran guiding the company from idea to sailing out of its own terminal at Port Miami. 27 years ago, he was part of the first management team that launched Disney Cruises. Virgin is the second time he's helped start a new cruise line, this time from his hometown, Miami. We love Miami. So Miami's a perfect fit for our ships because Frankly, I think the, the 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 brand of Miami fits very nicely with the Virgin brand. You know, sexy, new, modern, sleek, uh, fun. Those fit really well. But company headquarters is not at the port or in Miami-Dade County, where the largest cruise operators have their corporate offices. Virgin HQ is in Plantation, a place McAlpin says can help attract workers from Broward, Miami-Dade, and Palm Beach counties as it looks to grow. It has about 300 employees now and expects to add another 200 employees or so over the next couple of years. It will be looking for those workers in what is today an extremely tight job market in South Florida. The unemployment rate in Broward County in December was 3.6%. In Dade County, 1.4%. Because more than 30,000 people dropped out of the labor force compared to a month earlier in Dade County. Trying to keep 
find and attract workers has been difficult as offices have reopened and some people head back to their desks. We just got back to working back in the office again. So we opened the office for the first time. We are back to what we call three days mandatory in the office. We call them collaboration days. And then uh, that's our Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And then Mondays and Fridays are, are, are flex days that you can work from home if your job permits it. There are many jobs that you need to be in the office, but if you can do it. And that works really well. It's just the latest challenge for McAlpin and Virgin Voyages as they set out to grow a new cruise company from South Florida. What's the trajectory for this industry as it tries to recover from COVID and tries to recover from really some damaging public relations and public health challenges? We have overcome a lot of adversity over the years when you think about September 11th and recessions and hurricanes and and the like. And we've come through it and it's been very resilient. This has been a bigger test than all of those things, but there's a big population out there of people who love cruising, diehard cruisers who want to come back and they're demanding to come back and they're, and they're, they're out there today and they're cruising and they're having fun. Um, so we will come back. We are resilient. Uh, we take this very seriously. We don't, we don't think we're being treated fairly by CDC, but that too shall pass and we'll be bright and prosperous because the end, at the end of the day, the fundamentals of the business are strong. Speaking with Tom McAlpin, CEO of Virgin Voyages at the company's cruise terminal at Port Miami. You can find a podcast of this program and all of our previous programs by searching Sunshine Economy on your podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. Joe Johnson is our technical director. Polly Landis is our booking producer. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening. WLRN Public Media.